Welcome to Cato Daily Podcast. It's Thursday, May 10th. I'm Anastasia Glova. Costs for patent drugs in the United States are very high, but Americans are barred by law from going overseas and purchasing their drugs there for less. Now, a measure to lift that ban passed the Senate Monday, but was effectively defeated by a prior vote requiring the administration to certify the safety and economic benefit of these reimported drugs. Since the administration has said it cannot do that, the ban will remain in effect. Cato's Vice President for Legal Affairs, Roger Polan, whose recent op ed in the Wall Street Journal addressed this very topic, helps explain the nuances. Americans today are prohibited from going overseas and purchasing cheaper drugs there. Why did that happen? Why is that? Well, that's a complex story, and I'm going to lay it out for you. It arises from the fact that the Food and Drug Administration has onerous requirements relating to drug safety and efficacy, the result of which is that drug companies have to spend over $800 million on average and take over 15 years, oftentimes, to bring a new patent drug to market. Not surprisingly, they want to recoup those losses. But when they look to the market, they find that only in the United States is it free. When they sell those drugs abroad to socialized medical systems, they find that they're up against price controls. And so they negotiate agreements to sell the drugs at much lower prices. The problem they're faced with then is what economists call parallel markets. Vendors there buying those drugs much more cheaply than they're available in the United States have an incentive to resell the drugs back to the much more profitable United States market and pocket the difference themselves. And so to guard against that, what the companies did was go to Congress in 1987 and get a statutory ban on re-importing drugs, and that's why Americans can't go abroad or go online to get drugs abroad that are selling much more cheaply there. So then what we have is a situation that unfairly penalizes Americans simply because they live in a country that happens to do the most pharmaceutical R&D. How do we get around that? Well, that's why we've had legislation introduced over the past few years to lift the reimportation ban. But unfortunately, the recent versions of that legislation are not sound, and here's why. The right way to go about preserving parallel markets is through no resale contracts or through supply limits, rather than through this statutory ban. The statutory ban is inconsistent with market principles. Now, there's nothing wrong with the kind of segmented markets that we see around the world. In fact, the companies are engaging in segmenting markets and pricing differentially, just like theaters do, airlines, restaurants will have early bird specials. The idea is to try to maximize your profits by taking advantage of different demands among consumers and different willingness to pay among consumers. And so what they do is segment markets and charge different prices in those markets. The problem, again, is parallel markets. People then moving the goods that they buy cheaply from one market over to another market and pocketing the profit themselves. You can guard against that, as I said, through no resale contracts, or if those should fail or prove illegal, as is the case in Europe, through supply limits. 
But the problem with this legislation that has been introduced recently, the Dorgan Snow Amendment, for example, is that it prohibits companies from taking those self-help measures. It would prohibit them from charging more to those vendors abroad who in turn resold to the United States, and it would prohibit the companies from limiting supplies to those vendors. So in other words, it would amount to, in effect, re-importing foreign price controls. And if that were to happen, then you would not have the money, the extraordinary amounts of money, the capital that is necessary to do the research and development to give us the miracle drugs of the future. That's the core problem with these measures. It seems that on its face, a ban that prevents American citizens from making what are essentially pharmaceutical purchases of their choice is very, very anti-free market. So what are the arguments against lifting this market-distorting ban? The arguments against lifting the ban are twofold. One is the safety argument, and the legislation that has been proposed recently would limit lifting the ban to those developed countries where safety is not an issue. So I don't think that is the main issue. The other argument is the one that you hear from the drug companies that you will get importing foreign price controls, and that is a legitimate argument insofar as these self-help measures are prohibited to the drug companies. Now, if a proper ban were lifted that did not have the prohibitions on these self-help measures, then you would see the market play out. And that is the principal solution, the one that, uh, for example, I set forth in some detail in a policy analysis I did here at Cato in 2004. When the market plays out, what you will see is an effort by the companies to police their own market segmentation and price differential regimes. Now, if those fail, then you will see prices moving to a certain equilibrium. If they succeed, then you will continue to see segmented markets. But in either case, the companies would be free to charge whatever is necessary to ensure that they will have the capital for the R&D that is necessary for future miracle drugs. If the ban is lifted, then what kind of an impact does that have on innovation and further research and development? Well, that would undercut it. But right now, of course, the great clamor is coming from the American public, especially seniors, who see these great price differentials and say, why can't we buy these cheaper drugs in Canada or England or Germany or wherever? And so they feel, understandably, that they're paying the lion's share of the cost of R&D for future drugs, and they don't like it, understandably. And so, in a sense, what we are seeing by the regime that presently exists is that the rest of the world is what economists call free-riding on the American free market, which is paying the lion's share of these costs. And that is the impetus that is behind this effort to lift the ban, to get especially the wealthy European countries and Japan to start paying more of the R&D that is necessary to underwrite future research and development. Obviously, it's a very complex and nuanced issue, and it's difficult to know what to do because there are valid arguments on both sides. Would the bill that Senators Dorgan and Snow introduced have helped, and what should Congress have done in response? 
Well, that's the amendment that includes the prohibition on these self-help measures that companies might take. Now, just Monday, there were two votes. There was a vote on a measure introduced by Thad Cochran that would keep these uh, bill from going into effect until the administration certified that it that drugs imported were safe and that the economic benefits were real. That is a poison pill. It would kill this underlying measure, but it did pass in the Senate. So right now, in effect, even though the drug reimportation measure did pass subsequently to the Cochrane measure, we are pretty much at status quo. Now, if a new administration comes in and decides to certify that the imported drugs are safe and that there are economic benefits from it, that will change. And then we will be in a new world. I hope we don't get to that point. Thank you, Roger. And thank you for listening to Cato Daily Podcast. For more information on the Cato Institute, please visit our website, www.cato.org.